Thank you for joining us for the Local Church Podcast. At Local Church, we value each person's unique experience with faith and hope this message impacts you today. What is up, Local Church? Hey, thank you for jumping on for our message today. We are starting a brand new series on the Bible, and I'm so pumped for it. We're going to spend today and then the next eight weeks really diving into what does this book mean? What does it have to say? What is it? What's the deal with this whole book? And I'm so pumped about it. We're going to kick it off today, and I just want to do my very best basically to just give you some context that I think is going to help the whole way through really do my best to kind of, you know, get into the nitty gritty and and let the amazing lineup of speakers that we have over the next couple months really just jump into the sections that they're going to jump into. But today, the question is, what is the Bible and how do we read it? What is this book and how do we go about reading this amazing book? What I love about this book, what I love about the Bible is that really it's a book for everybody. It's a book for people who have been going to church their whole lives, and it's for people who are just starting to embark on their journey with Jesus, who have never picked it up before, who who don't have any idea. It's this amazing book that everybody can approach. It's for people of all backgrounds, social classes, experiences. It's a book for people who are going through the roughest times in their lives right now, and it's a book for people who, man, it, it maybe seems like life is going good, but they're just after a more intimate relationship with Jesus. The only credentials for engaging with the scripture is that you're alive. Everybody who is alive today, no matter where they're from, no matter who they are, can come to the Bible and trust that God wants to speak to them. So this whole series, we want to jump into the details. What is it? How is it made up? All of these things. I believe that, you know, with all my heart, no matter if you're new to it, no matter if you've been engaging with it for years and years and years, it's really, you know, about just taking another step. It's really about like, how can I just go a little bit deeper? And again, maybe you've never even, you have no idea. You, you see this book and you're like, well, I, don't, I have no idea where to start. I think of, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, I started running and like, you know, I had run before, like just as like, a, you know, as a kid, like here and there, gone on jogs and stuff like that. But I, I started taking things seriously and I, I just went on, you know, a, a short jog at a really slow pace. And I was just able to, over time, just work myself up to be able to go farther and farther and faster and faster. And it was really what, what kept me going the whole time. Really when, when I went into it, the, the game changer this time around trying to get into running is that I just said to myself, I just wanna be able to go just fast enough where I can just keep going. Like I wanna be able to run a really long distance, but that means that maybe my pace has to be slower at the beginning. I just need to take, like what, what's the bare minimum? And I know that sounds kind of funny, but that's what I did. So I was running really slow and all of a sudden I ran a 5K, a 7K, a 10K, and really I shocked myself. And I think it's kind of a similar thing that we can do with scripture. There's this marathon of a book. There's this ultra marathon of a book here. And it's like, where do I start? Today, this is all about taking some first steps, learning how to just get into it and take some first steps. I mean, this book, this Bible, the Bible, it's the most amazing, important book 
ever. It's, it's the most important piece of, of literature ever to be written. If there's anything, if there's any piece of work that is worth our time engaging in, if there's any piece of work that is worth our energy diving into, it is the Bible. I mean, even if we just take a second to consider the influence of the Bible, this book's place in the world, it's so influential. It's influenced everything from art to politics. We see John 3.16 on sporting events, you know, on, on uh, posters at sporting events. We see Philippians 4.13 written on Steph Curry's sneakers, you know. Go Celtics. I'm sorry. I just think it's our time. But we see, you know, I don't know though, Steph has this verse written on his shoe. Is that enough? We don't know. We just don't know. Is that the reason he's the greatest shooter of all time? We don't know. But we see the Bible just interwoven into our culture and into our world. And I mean, think about it, right? The world has paused whenever there's been a groundbreaking book. I mean, take your favorite book series or movies. Like the world has paused when there's a story that captivates the world but no more so than the Bible. No more so than this book. This book has been loved, hated, debated, but it has stood the test of time. It's worth taking the time to consider. You know, I just heard this last week that iMessage, that Apple is announcing that you're gonna be able to send a text and then you can actually go back and edit it. And I know there's a couple other messaging apps that you can do this right now. It gives you the little message. They've edited it. Such a weird little phrase, edited it. They give you this option, but man, that is like for an overthinker, that's the worst news. Whether I'm the one that knows that I can change it or seeing that somebody's changed what they initially thought, I'm like, hold up, what's the deal? This is what, it has to, what the, the word has to say about itself. This is what Jesus had to say, I should say, about the book. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35. This book, these words, these are not any old words. This is the eternal message of the creator of the universe to his creation. This is God's heartbeat his instruction manual, his love letter. Everything else in our life is a vapor. All other ground is sinking stand. But this book, the Bible, the word of God is incorruptible, imperishable, and indestructible. So over the series, we're going to survey the entire Bible. Each week, we'll take a look at a different portion of Scripture. Today, I'll give us a bit of context that's really going to, hope, I hope to tee up the other speakers, uh, you know, so they can really get into it and preach the Word strongly. I kind of want to teach today. You know, I'm sitting down, I got my stool, I got my high-top table, and I'm going to just kind of Bible college us up. And I really just want to set them up and set us up for a win over the next couple weeks. And I'll just say too, so much of this like content, like I, I mean, I, I have a, I have a degree, you know, I have a bachelor's in theology, but by no means am I, uh, you know, the expert or do I have all the answers. I'm taking a lot of this content today from other amazing speakers, you know, places like the OSU, my Bible school, other speakers. So just uh, you know, bear with me because I, you know, I want to make sure I get it right. We want to make sure that you know we don't want to just live in a, in a vacuum, live in a bubble. We want to be able to like say yes this is this is proper teaching so today i have three questions i want to try and help answer what is the bible 
how should we read it, and then why should we read it. First two points, again, going to be a little teachy, going to be a little granular, specific, a little more practical. And then on my third point, I want to try and inspire us a little bit as to why we should read the Bible. Okay, so first off, what is the Bible? What is this book? What's the deal with it? Romans 10 verse 17 says this, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. For us to have faith in God and for that faith to flourish, it starts with the Bible. It starts with the word of Christ. And what I love about this book and what separates it from every other book is that this Bible is a relational book. It gives us insight and understanding as to the nature of our God. God wanted to let us know who he is. He desired a relationship with us. And that requires getting to know one another. Who is this God that we put our faith in? What's he like? How does he interact with his people? What's important to him? What does he have to say about how to live? The Bible is God's answer to those questions. Of all the ways he could have communicated to us out of relationship, who he is and what he does, he chose to write us a book. So we want to understand it. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors over 1,500 years of history. In its pages are 66 different books. It's a library of books put into one larger piece of work. 66 different books, each with a unique but cohesive message throughout them. Each of these books falls into a larger section. This is what we're going to be talking about. These are the sections over the next couple weeks. We have the Pentateuch, or the first, the five scrolls, the first five books of the Bible. We have the books of history, telling the story of Israel and, and, and their interaction with God. We have the books of history. We have the prophecy, where the prophets point to Jesus and point to God's ultimate deliverance and point to eternity. We have the laments and poetry, which Nadia is going to speak on, and it's going to be amazing. We have the Gospels, the story of Jesus, the Acts of the Apostles, the birth and the start of the church. Then we have the epistles, the epistles where mostly it's, it's the Apostle Paul and a couple other authors, but they're just writing to this new community of believers, telling them, man, how, how do we do this thing? What's it going to look like? And then we have Revelation and apocalyptic literature, which, man, I had an apocalyptic literature class at 7.30 a.m. on a Friday when I was in Bible school. So... I mean, you might be watching this at 10 a.m. or 3 p.m. You know, when I'm preaching this in person, it's going to be 3 p.m. You might be watching it later. As long as you're not watching it, you know, listening to that message at 7.30 in the morning, which do it, you're going to be better off than I was. So, you know, stay tuned for that. But these are the sections that make up this Bible. Again, let's get more specific. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament within these pages. It's split into two. The Old Testament goes from Genesis to Malachi. And this section covers the history of the Israelites, the start of, of the world. We see all of these amazing stories, and it covers that history leading up to the birth of Jesus. The New Testament, starting at the book of Matthew and all the way through Revelation, 
starts at the birth of Jesus and it goes through his life, the birth of the church, and then the first few years of this communities of the church's explosive growth, and then it ends with the book of Revelation. The whole story ends with the book of Revelation, which is a prophetic word. Uh, it's a prophetic piece of writing that John had, and it culminates in this prophetic picture of what eternity, what forever is going to be like with Jesus in paradise. This book was originally written. I know I'm just like, I'm firing on all cylinders right now, so stick with me. The book was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And it's been translated meticulously into English as we have it today. Thousands of educated and qualified translators have spent countless hours doing their best to communicate the intricacies of the text in a way that we as modern readers can understand while maintaining the integrity of the original manuscripts. So that's what it is. Who wrote it? Well, first Timothy 3 says this, all scripture is God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is a God book, not a man book, not a human book. It's a God book. It's full of God ideas, not human ideas. Authored by 40 different people under the direct influence of the Holy Spirit. These guys here, they're, they're writing to specific people and situations and cities. They were fully aware of what they were doing. You can tell as a writing, you know, they are fully aware of what is going on in their world, but it was the Holy Spirit that was guiding their hands. So again, 1 Timothy, all scripture is God breathed. But then it says this in Luke chapter 1. Many have undertaken to compose an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. This is him as he's starting his gospel, his account of Jesus. Many have undertaken to compose an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by the initial eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now watch this. Therefore, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of things you have been taught. So we read a scripture like this, and then we read a, a, a scripture like First Timothy, and we see that there's this amazing, you know, truth to the scriptures, to the whole message of scripture, that when we read scriptures like this, it helps us understand that the authors didn't like, you know, go into a trance, and just all of a sudden their hands were moving and, you know, it was just like during this weird thing. I imagine, you know, that scene in The Lord of the Rings where Gandalf is, you know, he's, he's looking back through all the papers and, and in fellowship. He's looking back through all of it to find out the history of the ring. I imagine, the, you know, sometimes I like imagine like they're in that room and just like, you know, eyes roll back and all these weird things happening. No, like they were just guys who, who had, you know, who had insights to their cities, who had insights to their people, to the churches they were writing to. They understood the, the context, yet the Holy Spirit in his sovereignty, you know, breathed on them. All scripture was God-breathed, and it guided their hands, and we have the scriptures as we have them today. So that's, you know, who wrote it. We talked about what it is. And really quickly, I want to I wanna touch on the historical and archaeological accuracy of the Bible. Because I, I think it's cool, and I think it's helpful, and I think it helps us have confidence in the content of these pages. 
This is a quote from Nelson Gluick. No archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. You know, as we read the Bible, this is just talking about archaeology. There may have been places that we haven't discovered, but this remains true that no discovery has ever controverted something that the Bible said. So maybe there's something in that we just, we haven't seen it yet, but nothing that's been discovered has messed with the message that's within these pages. For example, in the book of Acts, we have 32 countries, 54 cities, and nine islands that are written about, and they're written about with complete accuracy. Another way to just measure the, you know, the, uh, the reliability of an ancient an ancient text is to look at how similar the text that we have today is compared to the original manuscripts. So you see, because originally the manuscripts were written on papyrus, which didn't last very long, it needed to be copied over and over every couple of years. So we have different copies, you know, different copies of, of ma ancient manuscripts, and we want to look at how, how specifically dead on and accurate is the, the one that was copied to the original one that was being copied. We want to look at how relatable, how, how similar the most recent one is, and we want to look at how similar it is to the originals. A great way to go about all of this is comparison. Stick with me, okay? We're, if we're asking, is the Bible reliable? Well, we're asking, okay, compared to what? And I love this. This, this whole section, I, I really like this part. Homer's Iliad, the ancient Greek epic poem, okay? There are 643 copies that we know of, of these ancient manuscripts. And among those 643, there's 95% agreement, okay? So 95%, it pretty much is saying the same thing. And people trust that, yeah, okay, Homer, you know, he wrote that. That was his work. That was his epic poem. The Bible, 5,000 copies, 5,000 plus copies with 99.5% agreement. Not, think about that. 5,000 different copies we have, and we have 99.5% accuracy among those manuscripts. This is insane. And the only, the, that 0.5, it's minor spelling variances and changes in sentence structure that don't change the original meaning. So I, I, heard, I heard somebody say it like this. It's like saying, happy birthday, man, or man, happy birthday. It doesn't change the original message, 99.5. And we also wanna take a look at, you know, how large of a gap there is between when it was first written, what, when it was first written, and when's the first available copy that we have of it? So Plato's, uh, the Republic of Caesar, uh, oh, sorry, Plato's, the Republic, and Caesar's Gaelic War are, are you know, people, people uh, you know, count these as reliable. These, you know, and this one, these were, sorry, I counted to, to Plato, and these were first written in 380 BC. The earliest manuscript that we have of it is 900 AD. So that's a 1,400-year gap. So nobody has any problem saying, yeah, Plato wrote that. Okay, but there's a 1,400-year gap, and we only have 700, or sorry, seven copies. Seven, but nobody, nobody questions it. The New Testament was first written in 50 to 100 AD. The earliest manuscript we have is 325 AD. That's only a gap of 225 years. 
we have 5,366 copies of the New Testament with 99.5% agreement. This Bible, this book is better preserved and has less errors than other historical texts. So we have every logical reason to trust the reliability of the Bible. We can be confident that what is written about in these pages lines up with history and lines up with the facts. Okay, deep breath, first section done. We got into it. You just got, you just got an associate's degree in theology, okay? You can put it on the resume, you're good to go. Next, how should we read the Bible? How should we read this book? Two verses to kind of kick us off into this section. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some other translations say, Let us boldly approach the throne of God, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Boldly approaching God's throne of grace. Approaching it with confidence. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This is a tension that the Bible presents that we have to manage, that we can boldly approach God's throne of grace in time of need, that anybody can absolutely approach his throne of grace. We can come to the Bible and believe that it, God can speak to us, that we can get a word, that it can help us in our time of need. But also, man, we need to approach this book, you know, in a certain way. We want to make sure that we're working it out with fear and trembling. And it's not that we're supposed to have a spirit of fear, but it's like we really want to make sure that if we're going to believe what it says, that it's the right message that we, we have a proper understanding of it, that we're not just taking bits and pieces to, to fit our worldview, but we're allowing the scriptures to say what they actually mean. This next section, I'm gonna be throwing out tons of practical information, but I think that all of these things help us kind of manage this tension, where we can confidently come to God, but we also, man, with fear and trembling, we're gonna make sure that we're, we're doing due diligence to the scriptures, that we're honoring it, that we're honoring the authorial, Holy Spirit, God-breathed intent. So I want to get practical, but also I want to get practical because I just, this is me, Enneagram type three, you know, achiever type personality. I just believe in a practical game plan for engaging with the Bible. I don't, I don't think it, it should be. And I, I think, man, I've spent years of my life engaging it with, based on, engaging with it based on how I'm feeling every day. And I'm just so thankful that like God has helped me um, kind of figure out what I need. And I, I, think, I think as I've talked to most people that, that we need to have a, a game plan. We need to kind of have something in place so we can engage with this amazing, old, historical, complicated, but also, man, like anybody can read it book. How do we do it? First and foremost, oh man, you need a Bible. Most basic point you've ever heard from a speaker. Get yourself a Bible. If you don't have one, man, like talk to, send us an email, info at localchurch.co, I believe, or just put it in the chat. We'll make sure we get one in your hands. Um, we want to make sure that everybody has that. Oh, man, also like download the Bible app. Like every single person should download the Bible app. 
I love my hard copy of the Bible. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Like I love the old school. Like I don't know. Like I get up in the when, when I read, I get up in the morning and I leave my phone in the room and I have my Bible and I have my French press and my Nespresso and like you know I'm that guy. Like I got my journal and I just I love kind of the the tactile experience of engaging with it. But I'm also thankful that like technology has helped us be able to engage with scripture whenever and wherever we want. And the Bible app is so great um, for so many different reasons. And, and one of the reasons that it has all of the different translations built into it. And it's a great way to, if you do want to get a hard copy, just test out a couple. I definitely recommend ESV or NIV to get started. You know, ESV is a really great balance of, this is what I have right here, easy to read. Um, but still has you know done its best to kind of maintain like word for word. Uh, it gets a little choppy in some places, but I, I really like it. I feel like it's a good balance. NIV sentences flow a little better. Again, still maintaining the, the core message of it. Uh, NASB, super word for word. Super word for word. Uh, uh, there's lots out there, and you can use the Bible app to test it. We're getting practical. I love it. My Enneagram 3 is like, yes, give me practical information for all of this kind of stuff. Got to get the Bible app. It's amazing. Have a game plan. The goal is to go on the journey when it comes to how do we read the Bible? How should we read it? The goal for each of us is to go on the journey of discovering what works for each one of us. Decide, you know, like, think about an experiment with what, what time of the day do you want to read the Bible? Again, I do the morning. I know some people, night is their jam. I know some people, it's like they just kind of get little bits and pieces of it throughout the day. Um, but, but experiment with, with different times. There's no wrong answers. Decide where you're going to read. You know, I got, a, I got a spot at my kitchen table, my dining room table. I don't know. It's like my apartment's all kind of one big thing. So my table. I only have one table. I have a coffee table and a side table. I have so many tables, baller, my kitchen table. I have my spot every day. Some people love to go on walks. Some people love to, you know, sit on the couch. Some people love to read in bed, you know. I, people do all these different things. Just experiment. There's no wrong answer. Try what works for you. You know, make a playlist that helps you get in the zone. Listen to some worship music that just amps you up. Uh, you know, get a coffee going. Get, get a, a chai tea latte going. Maybe consider reading it with a group of friends to start. Again, the goal is just to experiment. I want to try and alleviate any pressure of feeling like you need, you know, you don't need to be on your knees, you know, at your bedside table open and like you don't have to do that. If that works for you, amazing. But just experiment. Another note on having a game plan, man, uh, the Bible app has so many reading plans to it. Like the, the reading plans there, they're so helpful. I forget the stat, like I, and I couldn't find it, but there's these amazing stats as to the, basically the difference between people that have a reading plan and don't and how much more they engage with scripture. The people that had a reading plan engage with scripture on a way more consistent uh, basis. So if you go to the Bible app, it's amazing because there's literally plans on everything. You can basically, you know, pick any topic you want and there's a, there's a plan for it. You can also go section by section or if you don't want to do that, just pick a book in the Bible. Pick a place to start. Start with the Gospels, you know, the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, 
Psalms and Proverbs, they're great for starting. Psalms is very, you know, if you're like a reflective, like poetic person, it's great for everybody, but like Psalms is just going to get you. If you're like, hey, I want some practical wisdom, like rapid fire. It's like a, a book. If you had a book full of like biblical God-breathed tweets, that would be the book of Proverbs. Just jump there. It has so much practical insight for daily living. Start from Genesis. Start from the beginning. Don't start in Numbers. Don't start a revelation. I mean, hey, God will speak to you, I think, no matter what. But if you're just getting started, like, uh, maybe that's your personality. But I would say I don't know of anybody personally that has started there and kept up with their plans. There's another app out there, too, called Read Scripture. And it's amazing. And it's really cool for working section by section. It has videos that walk you all the way through it, and uh, it's it's just phenomenal. So uh, I know there's even some even some of the the Bible app reading plans. They have videos that attach with every day's reading. Um, they have amazing authors uh, and and thinkers and pastors that have you know giving kind of devotionals, little readings and writings right before you do scripture. It's all great. So super practical. Get these apps. They're going to help you. The other thing, um, man, find resources to help you along the way. This book, like I said, it's a, it is a beast of a book. There's so much to it. And, you know, th there's so many layers to it. It was written to actual people from real places. So the questions are like, who is the author writing to? Where is he writing to? Where are they writing? Where are they writing from? So we want to make sure that we are, again, with fear and trembling, make sure that we are sticking to what it's actually saying. You know, think about it, like a letter in, written to somebody in Ottawa is gonna mean something different to somebody who's receiving that same letter in Sioux Lookout, 19 hours away, so north, small town, different makeup of people. It's gonna mean different things. We wanna do due diligence on, you know, what, what is it trying to say? We always want to do our best, and the goal is to get to the author's original intended message. What we never want to do with scripture is import our own thoughts into the text. We never want to take our worldview and try and make it work. No, we let the Bible be the filter through which we have our worldview. We let the Bible inform us. So we have to look at what is this sentence saying? Not just, you know, maybe the one word, but like, what does this sentence mean within the greater context of the paragraph that's written? What about the chapter of the book? What about the book itself? What about the Old Testament? What about the book as a whole? You know, verse numbers and chapters, all of these things were added later. So much of this book was, or of the Bible was written as, as letters and big historical accounts that were meant to be read at one time. If you've ever done the 30-day shred, it's wild, you know, when you're able to kind of see these broad-sweeping, bigger themes that you miss out on when you just read out on one verse, right? Like, think of an example. Like, this is so, I don't even know if this is a good example, but this is just what I wrote down. Like, think about if we just read the part of the Bible where Jesus died. Wow, that's a really depressing message. Thank God that's not the whole verse, but that's not the whole story. That no, Jesus didn't just die, he rose again. And there's so much so many other things that come into play. We have to do that with everything in here. We don't just take it on its own as bite-sized pieces. We want to look at it as a whole. What I want to make sure I say is this though: don't get too overwhelmed. 
Doesn't mean you can't just read a verse a day. Doesn't mean you can't just spend five minutes reading it. Start out small. We just want to do everything that we can do to keep growing in our faith. Things you can do. You know, you can, you can, there's lots of uh, resources out there to help us on this journey. If you go on YouTube and you just look up the Bible Project, that's like the best channel ever. They just, they have a really simple way of explaining really complicated topics. They have a podcast too that's just amazing. Join a book club that we're going to be doing this summer. I know Justice is jumping in and I think he's going to lead Mere Christianity. Um, it's just a great way to like figure out what what is the Bible, uh, how does the Bible, what does Christianity mean in our, our context? Come to First Sundays where we're getting activated and we're jumping in more. If you really want to go deep, look into their computer program called Logos. Logos, it's amazing. It costs a little bit of money, but like basically they gave me the option in Bible school, do I wanna go hard copy, get a bunch of textbooks, or go Logos? I picked hard copy, and I missed out on a Bible college discount, but man, I wish I wouldn't have. Logos is amazing. Subscribe to Theosu or Arma courses. Um, even consider taking a couple Bible college courses online. The, the idea is to approach this book as a learner. To approach this book Man, when I got to Bible school, I had grown up in church. Like, what I learned the most the first year of Bible school was how much I didn't know, how much I thought I knew, but I didn't know. The goal of this, uh, of engaging with Scripture, is to approach it humbly, humbly, and say, God, what, what does it actually say? All these resources, all of these things help us do that. First Corinthians 3, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Like I said, it's totally okay to start small, but God doesn't want us to live off of milk for the rest of our lives. Growing in our knowledge and understanding of Scripture nourishes us as we grow in our faith and relationship with Jesus. This last part of this section, I want to talk about interacting with the Bible. This is all about internalizing the text, landing the plane, and applying it to your real life. You found your zone, you're at the table, you got your coffee, you know what version, you've got your playlist, you've got your journal. Some things you can do is you just engage with Scripture. First, I think everybody should pause and pray before they engage with Scripture. Center your heart and your mind and just pray. Ask and say, God, would you speak to me today? As you go through, just begin to write down or ask yourself questions that you have. Make note of things that you don't understand. Take note of word pictures and metaphors. Put yourself in the story. How would you act? How would it make you feel? How would you respond? Write down the things that remind you of your own life and speak to what you're going through. And then talk it out with friends, in your group, with family, and with people that you go to church with. Ask, ask anybody on staff. They're going to be able to help you. Another great tool is called SOAP. This is the last practical piece of information that we're going to get to today. SOAP is this amazing four-step thing. Journal it out. And the idea is scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So simple. Get a verse. Write out the verse. Scripture. Next, O, observation. Write out the things that you observe. Some of those things I just said. A, application. What's something today that you can apply from what you just read? And P, prayer. Just using that verse, just 
write out a little prayer, say a prayer to God, God, help me to implement, help me to do what this says, help me to be more like what this verse is describing. These are all things that can help us. The great thing about interacting with the text is, it says this in Hebrews chapter four. This is why it's so great interacting with text. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is the only book that reads you as you read it. Open up the pages of your life as you open up the pages of this book. And watch God speak to you, encourage you, correct you, change you, and love you. Okay. Teaching part is over. Let me try and inspire you a little bit. Why should we read the Bible? Why should we read it? This is a verse in Psalms that I think sums it up, and I'm going to go through these quickly. Why should we read the Bible? Psalms chapter 19. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord is clear, giving insight for living. Why should we read the Bible? First, the Bible revives our soul. It says the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The Bible has the power to recharge our souls. When we feel emotionally or spiritually drained, we can boldly approach the throne of God's grace in our time of need. There are a lot of things out there. There are so many options for things that we think might revive our soul, but there is nothing that recharges the human soul like spending time in the Word of God. There is nothing more encouraging when you're just at your wit's end and then you're reminded of a scripture. You're reminded of a truth. You get into the Word and you see and you're like, oh, that's right. There's nothing that recharges your soul like that. The amount of times, man, when God knows exactly what I need to hear. Just the other day, I was stressed out about something. I was going to be in a group of people that I was a little bit nervous about and, you know, just a little bit of tension. And uh, I was kind of nervous about how I would approach it, what kind of the vibe would be. And this is just classic. Like I, we had, you know, I basically only had time that day. I just opened up my Bible app and there's the verse of the day. I think it was Sadie Robertson, like uh, was doing the video. Shout out to Duck Dynasty. Hey, um, but it was just the verse was be merciful as I am merciful. And I was just like, ah, oh, yes, that's exactly what I need. The Bible revives our soul. Number two, the Bible makes us wise. Thankful for this. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, Psalm says, making wise a symbol. The Bible actually makes us wiser human beings. The more time we spend in the Word, the more we begin to understand the way that God thinks and begin to think like Him ourselves. You know, it's like, I'm so thankful for this. The more time I spend with Jane, the more I think like her. The more time I spend with good friends, the more I think like them. This is what happens when we read the Bible, and like I said, the book of Proverbs, it's full of wisdom for, for daily life, everyday things like money, relationship, jobs. The Bible makes wise the simple. It's like an instruction manual for building an amazing, God-honoring, people-serving life. It's like a guidebook that helps us stay on course for the adventure that God wants to take us on. 
The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. Thirdly, the Bible brings us joy. The Bible actually has the ability to lift my spirit and make me feel better, even when I'm having the worst day. It reminds me that God is with me. God loves me. God is powerful. God is mighty. God is good. And he is just. And he is worthy of my time and attention. I can crack it open. I can open up these pages and my heart begins to get back into alignment with his. It's like all the parts of my soul snap into place. And that brings me a deep, deep joy. And finally, number four, the Bible changes how I see. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for the living. The Bible revives our soul. The Bible makes us wise. The Bible brings us joy. And the Bible changes how I see life. The Bible puts a God filter on all that we see and do. And what's kind of a paradox is that the thicker and more robust that filter becomes, the clearer we see things as they truly are, as God intended them to be. The more we build a relationship with God through his word, the more we see people, struggles, horror, beauty, the world through the same lens that God sees it. As we dive into this book, using the things we talked about today, remembering that, man, this book is like no other book. This book is like no other book out there that I actually can engage with it though. And that it, man, it, it, it changes me, it revives my soul, makes me wise, brings me joy, changes the way that I see. As we dive into it today and over the next eight weeks and, and beyond, I believe that God will use it to let us know about who he is and what he does. We'll read stories, poems, hear prophecies about God's love, grace, forgiveness, and justice, and it changes us. I believe it's going to change us deeply and completely from the inside out. This book tells a story of a God who loves you. It tells a story of how we as humans were never enough on our own. We couldn't measure up. And God, in his grace, sent his son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, die on a cross in our place for the things that we had done wrong, and then die and then rise again. And then now we have this hope, we have this promise of, of eternity, this promise of life everlasting. And maybe you've never heard that message before. Maybe you're like, they're throwing so much information at me today. I didn't know what I was walking into. Long and short of it, there's a God in heaven who created you, who knows you, who sees you and loves you. And today, if you want to start a relationship with him, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and you will be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer in a second. And we as a church, everybody watching, we're going to pray it together alongside you. And what we're going to do is just ask Jesus to be the Lord of our life. And if you're praying that for the first time, pray it confidently. Man, I just believe God is going to minister to you, to help you. He's going to believe you. Let's pray this. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word, for the message of your love and hope. I've fallen short so many times, and I need your grace to forgive me for those mistakes. I thank you for dying on the cross and for rising again. I put my hope in you. 
I want to be a follower of you. I commit my life to you and in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And hey, God, I pray for every person listening today that we would have a deep awe and respect and reverence and passion for your word. Speak to us today. Speak to us over this series. Pray that we would be a church that loves the Bible so passionately. We love you. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, can we put our hands together for anybody that prayed that prayer, giving their life to Jesus for the first time? We're so happy for you, so proud of you, so excited. And we wanna make sure that you're equipped for the journey. Just put in the chat, I raise my hand. I think there might even be just like a link that you can click. Click that. We'll, we'll get you in touch with somebody that's going to help you. We'll get a Bible to you. But hey, thanks for tuning in, local. We love you. So excited for this series. We'll see you soon. We are so glad you joined us for the Local Church Podcast. To get connected, please follow us on social media and check out our website for groups and other ways to get involved.